like Space Jam and Toy Story are the kids' movies on here, and like yeah. It's Space Jam timeless. is kitschy ni- 90s garbage that we only liked because we were the right age when it came out. Space Jam is a hop, skip, and a jump better than Three Ninjas. I think you're being a little harsh on Space Jam, and <laughs> we might have to revisit it before this quarantine is over. Welcome to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Keith Foster, San Diego, California. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there. With me, is, as always, is the host of this mess, Cassidy Robinson. <laughs> and I mean that in the best way. Hashtag bless this mess. Oh, okay. Jeez, it feels like a new, a new year every time we do this. A new life? Yeah. It's crazy. Like, so it feels like so many years have happened in the last week. In the last like four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Was more than 30 days long. That's all. For sure. We were definitely in some sort of wormhole or something where time was in perpetual loop. But I want to. And still is. Yes. (laughs) And still (laughs) is. We're not out of the loop yet. We'll, uh, We'll figure it out, though. But you said that you were avoiding. Twitter lately, and I, I I think that's true. Yeah, I'm. I haven't I, seen you there. I'm pretty much done with all social media at this point, except Instagram. Yes, uh, which is probably the smart thing to do. Oh, before we get started in this rant, um, today we're going to be reviewing Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which we had the privilege of seeing a screener of. I believe it is probably available for on demand uh, here pretty soon, and. Uh, We are also going to be talking about the movie Cop Car, which is available to stream on Netflix, a movie that I wanted to see back when it was new and didn't get to catch it until now, so that was cool. Um, But yes, Twitter. I decided, I'm going to use the top of the show, to catch you up with what's been going on in terms of media and movies. So we'll we'll avoid all of the toxic, annoying stuff. Oh, okay. All right. Media and movies is fine. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll catch you up. Although you have been not privy to some fire tweets from me. So I, like I said, I checked out and I mostly follow comic book artists on Instagram. So yeah. even that, even Instagram, I'm able to avoid the ugly side of because right. there, there's an ugly side to all social media. Absolutely. But it, it feels like Instagram is the least toxic right now. So. It's kind of built to be that way. It's sort of the, I don't know, it's sort of the, uh, the, the crafts department of the big box store that is the internet. Kind of. Yeah, that's fair. Or, or is that Pinterest? That's probably Pinterest. Yeah. I, I mean, they both are. One is Michael's, the other's Joanne's. <laughs> Which is the Hobby Lobby? Uh, oh, uh, I don't know, Reddit? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, we'll start with, oh, this one is fun. Okay, so you you know what the website wish.com is, right? Oh, yeah, the weird, uh, the weird one that's, like, online merchandise, but you never know if it's, like, legit or not. Right, so it's made, it's made overseas, I think usually China, and, um, you, it's super cheap. It's basically, it's designed to look a lot like Amazon, and you can buy, like, I don't know, a brand new car for $5 or something. Yeah, like, but, but but it's like can be knockoff stuff. Yeah, and, you never and, know exactly what you're going to get. It's kind of like the uh, uh, flea market of the internet. Um, yeah, but, I, I fun story, actually, before you get into this, I actually ordered some pants off yeah. of Wish.com. I ordered pants and some boots off of Wish.com like a month and a half ago uh-huh. for... Uh, the the boots were one dollar and mm-hmm. the pants were like ten dollars or something stupid. Uh, turned out the boots I'm never gonna get. I got an email that's like those aren't real, and then <laughs> uh, the pants have yet to arrive. And I don't know if that I don't even know if I was actually charged for any of it. So who knows? 
Right, right. So, I mean, that's that's a good example of what happens here. Uh, another good example is this uh, picture that somebody posted a little bit ago. They ordered a, a shirt. Uh, so it's the black it's the black cover from Alien, the original Alien, whereas you know the the cracked egg in the center. Uh-huh. Um, and at the top, Alien is spelled A L A N. And then the tagline underneath the egg says, in space, nobody can hear you in space. (laughs) I just looked at the picture for it. It's so fucking good. Here's the thing. I would rather have that that shirt. shirt, Right? That's a better story. Right? It's so good. Alan, in space, nobody can hear you in space. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so funny. I retweeted, okay. uh, I actually tagged you in on this one, so that I guess Best Buy is going to be having a Jaws Steelbook coming out here yeah. pretty soon. Yeah, so, I um, saw that. They're releasing the 4K version of Jaws, because everything's coming out in 4K now. Um, I haven't totally hopped on the 4K train. There's been opportunities to get them, oh, but... Oh, man. I have a rant about fuck 4K. I'm not I'm I'm not into it but I'm also like don't want to I could end up being a late adopter so but this is a really nice looking still book in case people are interested in that so uh, I, the the only thing the only reason I have a few 4Ks and the only reason I do is because they usually come with a a Blu-ray copy. Yeah, it's the same way Blu-ray. Exactly. That's the only reason I would have bought them is cuz sometimes I prefer the cover or sometimes there's special features that aren't included in the other Yeah, but 4K, I mean, here's the thing. 8K already exists. 8K is already a thing. And I subscribe to the theory that at a certain point, the human eye cannot differentiate the difference. Right. So they're just fucking you over for no packaging. Well, I believe theater, like when you go to a movie theater, like and you're seeing a digital projection, that Mm. is 4K. So unless it's blown up that big, you shouldn't be able to really tell the difference between that and like 180p. But well, I think some theaters are 8k now. I I don't know. I yeah. it's all bullshit to me. Like I really, I I think the difference stopped between DVD and Blu-ray. There's a meme going around right now. Um, you've maybe seen it of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from. From uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when he's sitting on the couch pointing at the television drunk. Have you seen the meme? I don't think so. So the way the meme is supposed to work is he points and and it's the idea is he's pointing out something in the movie that's totally obvious. uh, Points at the screen when the person says the name of the movie in the movie. I don't totally understand why it's supposed to be funny, but this meme is going around now. So, you know, use this creatively in your off time. I just looked up the meme. It's pretty good. You're into it? I I like it. It's fun. It's it's silly. All right. I I it's I think it's like the the thing, you know, that gets people excited and the you know the the idea is What's the thing that gets you excited in a piece of media that you're watching? And now that I've right. explained it, it's not fun, but um, whatever. It's right. cute. Uh, okay. This one actually is open to more discussion. So there's a lot of these like pick three kind of things. They'll list like five or six movies. And then it says, you know, you can only pick three. Um, okay. This one is probably the most popular one I saw, and you tell me what's absurd about this list. It says you can only keep three. Uh, this was originally posted by Lights Camera Pod, another hold, movie hold podcast. On, hold on. What does this have to do with the meme? Nothing. I've changed subjects. So here's so what uh, now? <laughs> here's 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 a list of movies, um, and it says you can only keep three. This kind of went a little viral. So oh, uh, I've seen stuff like this. Okay, yeah, there, it's, there's a bunch of them going on right now, but this is the one for movies. Uh, the list of movies that they include is Goodfellas, Pulp okay. Fiction, okay. Inception, okay. Avengers: Infinity War, The Dark okay. Knight, what? Empire okay. Strikes Back. Space Jeez, Jam, what? Toy Story, and Jurassic Park. How Very IMDb keep? top 100 kind of material here. But yeah, I'm actually surprised Shawshank Redemption wasn't in here at some point. But <laughs> um, you can only keep three, Keith. Of that many? 
Yeah, so that's this is the list. Oh shit. So usually usually I see that and it's like four things and you can only keep three, so it's like what's the shit one that gets bumped off? So fuck, okay. You name like seven. I can only keep three? I name nine. Jesus so, Christ. Okay, so one third of these movies I can keep. Yes. Okay. I, I need I'll read them off again. Okay. Goodfellas, Pulp okay. Fiction. Okay. Inception, okay. Avengers Infinity War, The Dark okay. Knight, okay. Empire Strikes Back, Space okay. Jam, Toy okay. Story, Jurassic Park. Okay. Uh, One of these things is not like the others. I mean, Toy Story is like straight up a kid's movie. Um, I guess Space Jam is too. <laughs> uh, okay, I would keep... Jurassic Park. Okay. The Dark Knight. Oh, okay. And I'm forgetting one. I think I need to look at it, because I forget one every time. View tweets. Oh, okay. Mm, fuck. Okay, I would keep Empire Strikes Back. Okay. I would keep Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And I would keep. This is such a gauntlet. now. Keep in mind, this is the way I looked at this meme. Was not these are the the rest of the DVDs I'd have to put away. I I looked at it as I the rest would be snapped out of existence. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, that's how I'm viewing it too. Like they just don't exist anymore. Um, I'm sorry, Space Jam is gone. Inception's gone. Goodfellas is probably gone. Um, mm. uh, honestly, it's kind of between The Dark Knight and Toy Story. <laughs> is that weird? Uh, I think my personal preferences would be... I'm just going with the movies that I probably watched the most. So I'm going to okay. say Jurassic Park, Empire Strikes Back, and The Dark Knight. Wow, okay. Um, those would not be my answers. I would pick Jurassic Park, uh-huh. and then I would pick Goodfellas pretty easily, and probably Pulp Fiction. Uh, Pulp Fiction was up there for me. It, it, that's a hard one. For me, it's beto- the third one is between Pulp Fiction and Toy Story. Because yeah. I love The Dark Knight, love it to death, don't want it snapped out of existence, but it is very beholden to a lot of other crime movies before it, including some of the ones that are on this list. And sure, sure, but Inception, so I've life- never been as enamored with as the general populace. I enjoy it. I'm glad it's there. It's probably the last like great Christopher Nolan movie, but it's um, it's for me only okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Space I, Jam I don't is think- I, like, what are we doing? Like, come on. Like what is happening here? That the space jam. Well, okay. So, so again, uh, there's two of those that are definitely kid. My reason for debating like the uh, Toy Story is it's the only like Space Jam and Toy Story are the kids movies on here, and like yeah, ki- kids movies are a thing, and that there's value in that. Sure, and so but Toy Story, mind, I, I think, is a kids movie that is also generationally loved. By many and is seen yeah. as one of the greatest pieces of animation ever made. It's Space Jam timeless. is kitschy ni- 90s garbage that we only liked because we were the right age when it came out. Space Jam is a hop, skip, and a jump better than Three Ninjas. I think you're being a little harsh on Space Jam, and <laughs> we might have to revisit it before this quarantine is over. I've seen uh, it recently. Uh, believe me, okay. I will pop in Space Jam and watch it any damn day. I mean, I get a lot of fun out of Space Jam. Some ironically, some unironically, but it's not a good movie. So, I mean, yes, the the obvious ones to remove from this list for me are Inception and Space Jam because I yeah. feel like they're sort of the least influential. Um, they're they're sort of like they're cool movies, but that's sort of it. They're just sort of cool, fun movies. Um, whereas every other one of these movies, I think, has sort of a legacy that sure. if you snap it out of existence is like, well, OK, so what other movies are we getting rid of? B- 
because Empire Strikes Back doesn't exist, because yeah. Jurassic Park doesn't exist. Uh, so actually, I the one I was sort of on the fence about was Jurassic Park, because I love Jurassic Park, but I don't know if anything since Jurassic Park that's tried to be Jurassic Park has reached what Jurassic Park is. If Including the sequels to Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I just yeah. mean, in general, that sort of... It advanced special effects in a big way. Uh, it was very, very influential in the sense of, like, the change but, in in ILM from from practical to digital. Like, I think but that's that, probably its legacy. Exactly, because that type of movie isn't really a thing anymore. Uh, what, big monster movies? I mean, there's the Godzilla no, movies that uh, came out recently. Well, exactly. It's a Godzilla movie, but like a big tentpole feature based off a book and that, you know, not really an existing franchise, but just sort of a movie for movie's sake. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would I think, you know, the Spielbergian uh, blockbuster thing has an overarching influence on just the genre of summer film. But, sure, but but that type of movie, the, the it, kind of four di- quadrant action movies, yeah, which which you know definitely had some influence in you know even the Dark Knight, Avengers, and Inception. Uh, yeah, uh, you know that's so- why I that's I mean I think I think it's pivotal in that sense. Is it doing anything is in that that regard that other movies from the same era weren't also doing at the same time, like Terminator 2, or even if you want to go as far back as Jaws. I don't know. I, maybe I, maybe I just if you snapped it out of existence, we would still more or less have the movie landscape that we have today. But of all of I those, just mean it's that more my favorite. Exactly. Like, of that type of movie, Jurassic Park is one of those moments where everything sort of coalesced right. correctly. Uh, in, you know, I, I think it's pretty much a perfect movie. Um, if anyone asks me like, what do you think a perfect movie is? That's usually my answer because it literally has everything. It, you know, it's a blockbuster. It's big action. It has incredible, uh, special effects. It has humor. It's scary but not so scary that the entire family can't enjoy it like it's it's literally like a perfect movie um avengers infinity war is great but you have to have all of the mcu for it to make sense Mm. so that one's easy to to snap out of existence um that's sort of where i am with star wars too it's like okay so does that mean we don't get any more star i don't know this is a dumb exercise (laughs) (laughs) Right, it's Sophie's Choice. That's what they're... And I wouldn't pick Sophie's Choice, by the way. You know Um, what? I actually think I might change my answer to Jurassic Park, The Dark Knight, and Toy Story. All right, there you go. And last but not least, this is a funny headline from The Hard Times. Uh, They're a satire website. AOL reissues classic 50 hours free CD on vinyl. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Speaking of things that you may have missed... I just saw a thing today on Instagram where a reporter on C-SPAN is asking President Trump Uh if if he has considered pardoning Joe Exotic. Right. uh, There's there's an online, online petition for that to happen. Yeah. This is like of the last three years. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the only single minute that I have actually enjoyed Donald Trump as our president was did um, he even know what it was? No, he do, he has yeah. no idea. It's really funny. The guy is just like, "Have you uh speaking of stuff that's relevant to today, have <laughs> you considered pardoning Joe Exotic of the popular Netflix TV series Tiger King?" And Donald <laughs> Trump is just like uh he's kind of laughing. He's just like uh, okay, so what did this Joe Exotic uh, do? <laughs> right. And the reporter's like, allegedly, he <laughs> tried to hire a hitman to kill an animal rights activist. <laughs> and Donald Trump is just like, uh, do you support this guy? <laughs> 
and the reporter's just like sort of taken aback. It's really funny. Right. Um, again, this is the only moment that I have found Donald Trump as even a tolerable human being. Um, but right. I would be sort of into it if he pardoned Joe Exotic. Uh, I I don't even have an opinion about that. I think I think that guy shot uh tigers for fun, so I'm gonna say no on that. But oh, don't get me wrong, Joe Exotic is a piece of shit. I don't want people to think that I support Joe Exotic. Uh, but he, you just is... like the chaotic energy of it all. Yeah, yeah, huh. exactly. All right. Uh, well, on that note, let's go ahead and start talking about our main feature today. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, the MacGuffin uh, sent us a screener for this, so we were able to see it um, mm-hmm. a little bit ahead of its its release, which is really nice. Yeah, and I do um, believe that it is available to buy or to purchase or uh, video on demand. Um, so, you know, check iTunes, um, wherever you, I think maybe on Amazon as well, you can also purchase video on demand. Um, but, uh, check all the things and see if you can, uh, at least be able to watch this. Um, it is available on, uh, Amazon prime right now for, for full price. Uh, right. So for, for 20 bucks right now. Um, yeah. 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 It's pretty, pretty indie. pretty Pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. But it, there has been a decent amount of buzz about this movie. I, when uh, we were first uh, sent the screener, I thought this was like some little, like slam dance kind of release that nobody would have heard of or even seen anyway. And then as I was online and kind of looking around, I saw the the this title popping up more and more. So uh, this is getting around a little bit. All right, cool. uh, do you want me to set that up? Sure. All right. So uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. Uh, is written and directed by Eliza Hitman, and it stars stars Sydney Flanagan as a teenage girl named Autumn. She believes that uh, she might be pregnant. Um, we kind of see in the beginning of the film there's like a school talent show going on. Uh, she's you know singing with her guitar, and uh, she has a sort of disinterested uh, stepfather, and. Uh, she has what seems to be sort of an unstable home life um, mm-hmm. uh, in Pittsburgh, right? Where she's from? Yeah. Her and her friend and or her cousin. and Coworker, yeah. She believes that she could be pregnant. So she goes to a, a family planning clinic and uh, gets an ultrasound and they tell her that she is uh, 10 weeks pregnant. Um, and she decides she doesn't want to keep it, so she has I, to I make. Think they tell her. I thought they told her she was only eight weeks pregnant. She. They tell her she's not very as pregnant powerful. as we learn that she actually is, and it's uh, a very, very much sort of a pro-life uh, clinic. So um, she's not getting all the information that she should be, and there's definitely a lot of pressure from the people there uh, to keep keep the baby. So she decides to make another uh, trip down to New York. Um, via trains um, with her co-worker slash... I thought it was her cousin. It might have been. I, I, might thought, have they, I that. thought they mentioned that in the film, um, who is played by Talia Ryder as Skylar, who decides to accompany her, and she's the only person who knows about this. So this is very much kind of a secret thing, um, and uh, they're all on their own. They take a little bit of money from the cash register at work to make this trip themselves. And what was supposed to be one afternoon, kind of go there, get it done and come back situation at a uh, Planned Parenthood ends up becoming a two and a half day, three day event because she finds out uh, through the other clinic that she's in fact, That's like- well, she's well into her second trimester. That's what they yes. tell her. Um, yeah. Uh, which means that the process takes a lot longer so yes, because of that, she has to her and her, her and her uh, companion have to figure out a way to stay in the city and find lodging and somewhere to sleep and places to eat and things like that. So what ends up being a you know a, a fairly small intimate story about a girl um, figuring out how she's going to achieve this abortion ends up becoming a larger story about. Well, it's, I mean, I mean, so, largely yeah, it, speaking, it's, it's a larger story about sort of what it is to have to 
keep this a secret, what it means to have to try to get around um, when you have no money. I mean, and this movie is is just like sort of a case study in the loopholes that women have to go through to to get an abortion like that. Yes, it's it's definitely an abortion movie and it's definitely showing like how someone who is not equipped to be a parent uh, Mm -hmm. has to continually struggle Mm -hmm. uh it's not just a matter of her body her choice it's she has to choose again and again and again and again yeah Uh, it's not just a one-time thing of okay uh i decided i don't want to have this baby it's well okay we don't do that procedure here you have to go here and yeah okay well this they misinform you, you actually are this far along and, and the procedure can't be done here. You have to go here. And then they're like, okay, well, yes, that's true. But, you know, it's a, it's not just a one-day procedure. It's a two-day procedure. And all along the way... Yeah, just the, the, she, the circumstances get harder and harder and harder. Exactly. She just keeps getting... It's like, at any point, is it easier to just say, okay, fuck it, I guess I'll just have this baby. Like... Mm-hmm. It's this is a movie about how the system is tailor made to make it difficult for women, yeah, and and so I think that is a, an interesting perspective for a movie on this subject subject matter because um, usually you know the movie friendly option is okay, well maybe they'll adopt, adopt is always an option or or something like that, yeah. Um, in this, it doesn't dramatize the choice itself. Mm-hmm. It dramatizes the process. Yeah, I think, and then that's a that's a smart uh, a smart way to go about it. And I think also by focusing in so tightly on this one kind of character and her mm-hmm. internal struggle throughout the entire event, um, it 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 also becomes a bit more about her personal journey through it all. Totally, and, and I think. I think that's a smart choice, like you said, because w- one of the things with it makes it feel abort- less political because exactly. so, it's a it's by and large an, an emotional story. Yeah, and in the thing with the emotion or the abortion debate mm-hmm. is there's always hypothetical options. There's always okay. Well, what if this? Okay. Well, what if this? And this is just a very clear case of. Okay, this is the situation as you know it, and this character has decided that she needs an abortion, and uh, and also you know there's some there is some subtext here that indicates some kind of abuse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a few very powerful scenes in the movie when she's being sort of interviewed anytime she's sort of talking to these these adult figures and sort of the figures, difference yeah. the different kind of treatment from a different sets of adult figures that we see well, it, whether it be specifically her parents men. or the the yes uh man, yeah there is a there is a, another kind of side story here about a young man that they meet uh in New York who sort of helps them out um very conditionally and uh, it it goes into some uncomfortable, some creepy territory, um, but mm. also very realistic. It never felt like it it went into movie mode or message mode. It felt like yeah, this is like everything that happens in this movie I, I, feels very much true to life. I I agree with you with one caveat. Mm. Um, I think the the store manager was a little bit much. Um, I'm sure that. Oh yeah, I know you're their, their boss. Their their boss. Their yeah. He he was the only one that it started to feel a in. That isn't to say that people like him don't exist and that kind of stuff doesn't happen. Um, but but in that, a movie that's already about this, it feels a little heavy handed. No, I agree. Yeah, exactly. But that was the only case, and yeah, and even still, it was believable. It was just kind of like. I, it was just a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Which, which, you know, I mean, that's true to some women's experiences. It is a lot. So mm-hmm. that isn't to, to discount the realism of it. it it's just, man. I, okay, so this movie, 
it's I think it's a good movie. I think it's well made, but it's hard to watch. It is uncomfortable a lot. And and mm-hmm. um that isn't to say it shouldn't be viewed, but it is like I do want to strongly suggest like trigger warning for some people. Like I think this this movie is going to be really difficult for some people to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I do think that it is it, uh, there's nothing about it that ever feels exploitative or like, you no. know, it, or even particularly um, edgy or, you know, it doesn't feel like they're ever trying to go for like a really intense, hard scene no. or anything like it, that. Like the the only thing that makes it extremely difficult is just the heaviness of the emotional uh, storytelling um, and just the situational aspect of it. Uh I think that the uh, the lead here, Sydney uh, Flanagan, is incredibly, imp- incredibly good. She has so much she has to do with very little dialogue. She's telling the whole story with her face, and so, yeah. because she's in, still in, a young teenager who has hangups about showing what she's really feeling. She's trying to stay strong for the whole thing, trying to just act like none of this is affecting well, and, her, even though it obviously she, is. She doesn't want her parents to find out. Which, yeah, and and. Um, I this might delve into spoiler territory, but it's never explicitly said. But I think you, you know there is an intentional, there is it, it, it is intentionally obtuse as to who the father is. Um, sure, I they I think there's or ambiguous hints. Yeah, there's hints that it might be this boy in high school. I yeah. kind of wonder if if there's um my theory is that uh, I don't know. Um, my theory is that it might be from her dad or stepdad. Um, right. It, it um, is. It is. Uh, it is kind of ambiguous as far as that goes, and I don't think that it is. I don't think that's necessarily the story they want to tell because they definitely could. No, no. Expand this. Like, if you were really trying to turn this into more of sort of a teenage experience movie then you could go more into the boyfriends and that kind of stuff um well that that's that goes to what you say about this movie isn't exploitive it's not yeah it's not trying to to uh uh generate an emotional experience in that respect it's yeah. solely focused on this process right and i think that's a really smart move of this movie to not go into that like mm. uh and and that is something you know it, i think everybody can kind of have their own theories about who the father is or, or what happened um all, all we know is you know there is something about her her sexual experiences that she wasn't totally comfortable with right. um and who knows maybe that's just because she got pregnant or maybe there's more uh, yeah. underlying abuse uh, uh it kind of doesn't matter because at this point the that doesn't say it doesn't matter what happened to the character but as far as this story is concerned what matters is the process that she has to go through to to keep her life from changing forever right and uh and i and i do th- i like the fact that the movie has a very naturalistic feel, technically speaking. Um, there's a lot of location mm-hmm. shooting. Um, you know, besides pretty... probably besides the clinics themselves, I think probably everything is shot on location. Um, yeah, it's a pretty. Uh, it's like a pretty sleepy movie. Yeah, there's the tone of it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say sleepy, but maybe certainly introspective, like the character herself. I think the movie is 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 kind of deliberately paced. And uh, this feels like the it, kind of movie that I would have caught on the independent film channel at like two in the morning. Sure. Back when they uh, still showed movies. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily intending to, but, huh. and you know, and then getting sucked in pretty quickly. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's uh, really easy to follow along. I, I mean, given the fact that, the, you know, it is v- very true to life. Um, the characters, nobody in the film feels like a movie character. Everybody feels like somebody you probably knew. And uh, that's the way that the movie is intended to feel. And, and I do think within that, there's interesting use of angles and there's interesting use of lighting and and uh, reflection is used as a motif a lot in the movie, um, especially she's like looking at these train windows and seeing like a world of possibilities and that kind of stuff. So the movie is 
technically minded as well, even though it is working within a very, very small budget. Um, it still looks really good. And uh, I think uh, all the performances are really, really strong. So I, 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 season's weird to use the adjective liked this movie. Um, yeah, well, I, no, I, I agree with, I, I agree because, with that. Like, I, I think it's a well made movie. Yeah. I think it's actually, uh, has a really good message, but it's, it's not, it's not just entertainment. It's not just fluff. Like this is right. a movie with a purpose mm-hmm. and I think it achieves that purpose really well. Yeah. And I think the, the, for me, what makes it besides the performances that I, that I, uh, already stated, I thought were all very credible and really well done. I think what really makes the movie work as a movie and not just a after school special is mm-hmm. that it threads that needle uh, so carefully between uh, transferring the message that they want to tell without uh, making it feel too heavy handed or preachy. Totally. Yeah. So. It, it's just sort of, it feels very, um, uh, it feels very like this is just the situation. It doesn't right. feel like, you're meant to make a judgment on the character one way or another. Right. And it becomes a little bit of sort of an odyssey uh, yeah, through, yeah. you know, this this process she has to go through. So I also think, um, as- aside from just the subject matter, aside from just, you know, the, the abortion is a heavy topic, aside from that, uh, yeah. I think the direction of this movie is really good at establishing tone mm-hmm. um you know it feels very like like you uh, i think odyssey is a good word like it feels very like it feels like the characters are up for you know awake for like two days in a row because they don't yeah. really have anywhere to sleep and, and you the way the film is shot and edited it like you feel that weariness on yourself right uh you, you start to feel like oh god I, you know, I feel like I need to go lay down and take a shower because I right. feel like I've been up for a couple of days. And and so and the movie does a really good job at outline or uh, presenting their limited resources throughout all this. You know how little money they have. You know, they have nowhere to sleep. You know that they have nowhere to call. And exactly. And so when and they you, get so this news feel, that, oh, it's going to be tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be the day after tomorrow. You know how hard all that is. Yeah. And, and as you know, sometimes it's it, easy for the character to say okay that's not a problem but mm-hmm. really you, you know just it's a problem saying, oh, oh yeah. jesus fuck like again yeah um so i think you know the mood of this movie is really effective as well yeah all right um if i'm giving it a letter grade i'm uh, yeah i think it's uh like a b plus a minus somewhere in there yeah i for um I'm grading it a little bit on a curve here because it's not just meant to be pure fluff entertainment. Sure. So I'm going to give it an A minus. Yeah. Um, because I, I think it does communicate its message really effectively. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to choose this movie myself, you know, as like fun fluff entertainment because it's not that. Right. Exactly. But if you were, if somebody were looking for a movie that's sort of in this ballpark or they were they were writing a paper on the subject or something like that totally. you'd definitely recommend it right away yeah i i can't think of really any other movies that deal with the subject of abortion so honestly and yeah. so matter of and on yeah so, matter of factly like unflinchingly it's they don't like kowtow around they don't it sugarcoat anything yeah. yeah and so i think for that fact alone is sort of unlike anything i've ever seen so mm-hmm. uh that that's why i'm grading it a little bit on a curve it's not necessarily the funnest movie to watch but i i think it's kind of an important movie yeah especially when you know and not to get too political but especially when women's rights are being Always on threatened the chopping again block. and again and again and again yeah i yeah. i think you know this is this is a really good uh movie to watch if you feel like you're on the fence one way or another right 
Okay, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the streaming homework then that I assigned us. Uh, we didn't, we weren't able to announce it on the last episode because we didn't know when or what the next episode was going to be. Um, but I ended up assigning you the film Cop Car. And mm-hmm. uh, this is actually directed by John Watts, written and directed by John Watts, who would later go on to do the uh, Spider-Man movies for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, yeah, um, Spider-Man: Homecoming and Spider-Man: Europe. Yeah, Sp- Euro Spider-Man: Euro Trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, Bonnie, go ahead and describe what's going on here. <laughs> Uh, so the plot of this movie is pretty simple. A couple mm-hmm. of kids are sort of out. Um, they they think they've run away from home, but really it feels like they're just sort of out for the day. Just sort of exploring um, Texas. I want to say this is like middle of nowhere, Texas. It, it, it's just definitely, the, you know, the middle of nowhere, kind of out west. Um, yeah. You know, lots of sprawling territory. And they're just sort of in a field... Um, you know, being kids, being boys, and they stumble across this cop car. And, uh, you know, at first they're like kind of scared by it, but they're also titillated by the idea that this car is just like abandoned. But, but it's also like, it's different than a normal car that you see parked on the road. It's literally in the middle of these, this like pasture. Um, and so there's, there's something a little odd about it. So they sort of challenge themselves to get closer and closer to it. And they sort of keep pushing it and pushing it until they end up stealing this cop car. Right. Uh, This cop car belonged to uh, a sheriff played by Kevin Bacon, uh, who's... We find out pretty quickly he's a dirty cop. Yeah, he's he's not a good guy. Um, Yeah, right. uh, And so they're just sort of out having fun with this car and end up sort of finding themselves in the middle of this Cohen Brothers crime thriller situation. Right. Again, the plot is pretty simple for this mm-hmm. movie. It's a pretty isolated story. Um, this is this all basically sheriff. inciting incident and then kind of see it through to its logical conclusion. Exactly. Yeah. Um and uh, they sort of get pursued in, in sort of a cat and mouse game by Kevin Bacon's dirty sheriff. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I on it. Okay. So this movie, this movie is kind of a trip. Um, <laughs> I, I think this movie is sort of masterful mm-hmm. uh, in regards to tension. Yeah. Um, this it, it creates several scenes of holy fuck tension. Yeah. Um uh, a lot of just sort of living, like you said, sort of playing this out to a logical conclusion and living in the moment. Um so the shots feel a little or, or the, the scenes themselves feel a little bit longer uh-huh. than you might see in a normal movie. Um and shots, I would say. I think there's it's not heavily cut. It's not super, super stylized. Although although I think in sort of a westerny sort of way, he sort of lets the landscape be the style. Totally. Um, yeah. Uh yeah, there's a there's a lot of it is in a way it's 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 it is kind of playing that sort of Cohen-ish uh playfulness with mixing crime and with humor and, uh, humor and, and horror and uh, western tropes all at the same time. It's a. It, I will say it's a little more slice of life than the Coens typically are. It's it's not quite as stylized. Sure, um, but again, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. They're kind. You know, he's definitely creating his own tone and not just mimicking what the Coens have done. Yeah, and I and I think there is also, you know, if you're to throw in another genre in this hybrid, I was reminded of um, the sort of Kids Gone Wild movies of the early 90s, like the post-Home Alone, no adults movies. Totally, um, yeah. And I think there they're... there's a little bit of that going on in here, too, but, that's sort of but it's clashing sort of into something like a Blood Simple yeah, it's sort of grounded in harsh realism of like, okay, yeah. but what would really happen if there were no adults in this situation? Right. Um, uh, yeah, and 
I do think the movie, for the most part, uh, balances the tone pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ending is a little different, but um, yeah, I think it balances this uh, good-natured humor with tension really well. And there's some scenes with like, um, but it, but a really good example of this movie. Of, of sort of what you're getting with this movie is when these kids steal the cop car, of course they find the cops' guns. Yeah. And they want to play with them. Um, but when they're doing that, they're putting themselves in really scary situations. Right. M- more but, so than they but realize. They don't, yeah, they yeah. don't realize that they're, they could die at any moment. And so uh, there's a lot of humor, but mixed with tension really interestingly. Right, and I think, you know, if you understand the crime genre, you know that if you show a gun at the beginning of the movie, it comes back at the end of the movie. Um, well, that's, uh, yeah, uh, Stanislavski's rule. If you, if um, uh, Stanislavski, the, the Russian playwright, he, he said that if you show a gun on the mantle in the first act of a play, mm-hmm. uh, the, gu- the gun has to come and play the gun has to be fired by the third act. Yeah. And that's, it's a a screenwriting thing that we see a lot uh, as well. Uh, My only complaint here, cause I I really do enjoy this movie a lot. And I think there, that's a lot of fun. Kevin Bacon's eating it up throughout the whole movie. And, uh, and he's great. He's great. Doing it too. He's so, this is the best I've seen Kevin Kevin Bacon Bacon performance in a long time. Yeah. Um, I think the way the kids are written and a little bit acted is a little out of touch sometimes because they mm-hmm. they seem to be about 10, 11 years old, but some of their decisions and the way they talk to each other sounds closer to five years old. Like, yeah, I, I think there's some stuff that they, there's some naivety there that I think isn't quite believable. Especially near the end. I, I, I think they feel pretty believable at the beginning. Um, but once shit starts getting real is when I'm like, okay, I think, yeah, they're being a little. See, I, I actually am, for me, it might be the opposite. I think the, like, for example, when they're playing around with the car, the, how they come mm. to the conclusion that this is our car now. And I understand like kids do do that. Like they, if they find something in the middle of nowhere, they decide that it's theirs for whatever mm-hmm. reason. But I think their reasoning getting there doesn't always feel completely true. Um, and then also certain lines like, do you know how to drive? Yeah, I've played Mario Kart. Like, that just feels very much like a 30-something-year-old writing a line for kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, that, that reaching for the closest reaching for the closest yeah. pop culture reference or whatever. Um, there's not too much of that. I think that he, he's, he's good at... Um, not relying too heavily on social cues like that. But there's just sometimes when the way they're acting and the way they they reason through things doesn't quite ring true for the age they're supposed to be playing. I yeah, I kind of agree with that. Um I, I felt like for the the most part at the beginning it did feel pretty real to me. Um uh but uh, but again once once they realize the situation is a lot more serious, yeah, that's when I'm like, okay, I, I, you know, and it's hard for me to remember what it was like to be ten, right. and so I'm like, uh, okay, would I have reacted this way? I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I, but for the most part, I, I really, uh, I was kind of surprised by this movie. Mm-hmm. I was uh, pretty pretty charmed by it i think the kids feel pretty real um it it, this it it feels even though the scene uh even though the shots are a little elongated it feels pretty tight as a thriller this is kind of a Um, no a no fat sort of movie like there's there's no fluff here It, it it's sort of bare bones essentials from scene to scene. It also kind of in that regard reminded me a little bit of Jeremy Solnier's uh, blue ruin. Um, okay. Where you're just kind of following a character sort of bumbling his way through these crime scenarios and it makes it both funny, but also extremely tense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's what this, this definitely feels like is, 
uh, there's some moments where it's it's like, oh fuck, I can't believe they're gonna get away with it because of that or mm. or whatever. Um, there's also and- kind of a clever thing happening here um, that uh, that uh, John Watts does with the protagonists um you know whether it be the kids who were initially rooting for but then Mm -hmm. you know when (laughs) when we kind of know what kevin bacon's situation is and what he's trying to get away with and there are moments where kind of like kind of like in psycho when uh when norman bates has to sink the car in the uh, in the tar pit or whatever mm-hmm. behind his house, and it doesn't sink all the way there. Away with it, yeah. yeah. When it doesn't sink all the way, you're like, oh no, he's he's not going to get away with it. But you just well, watch that, this guy murder people. Um, that's what I mean when I talk about the way uh, the way John Watts plays with tension here is yeah. what is I think what really works because you you. It's not that you're rooting for anybody. You just don't want to see the worst possible outcome. Right. And and he keeps setting up the worst possible outcome mm-hmm. of every situation. And it's like, oh, God, they, they can't possibly get out of this one. Right. Um, and I think that is where this movie really succeeds is, is an exercise in tension. And, and yeah, there are moments where it's like, okay, well, who should I really be rooting for here? I will say, uh, 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 again, on a critical note, there are some frustrating moments to me because there there are some moments um, where it feels like the characters are acting against their self-interest for the sake of plot. Okay. Um, It doesn't happen a lot, but uh, it's one of those things where, like, you know when you're watching a movie... And you're just like, why would you do that? That's the dumbest choice you could make. Um, I guess. And it can be kind of frustrating. Um, There were some moments like that where characters would unexpectedly turn. And it's like, okay, that doesn't seem to be the character writing. It seems like the screenplay's writing a little bit. And and maybe that's kind of what you're talking about with, like, the Mario Kart thing, is, like, there's just a few moments that slip in of, like, this is definitely just meant to propel the action mm-hmm. and not necessarily feels like what a character would actually say in that situation. Sure. I, I noticed that a little bit. I'd say more so with the kids than anyone. But uh, for the most part, I feel like the adults are acting according to character but yeah that one moment sure i can i can see that and those moments are few and far between and they're not enough to really like take me out of the movie Mm -hmm. but they're they're just a little like "Mm, okay i i wish that had kind of been just a little different yeah that's fair um but overall i definitely recommend this i think it's a if you haven't seen it yet it's Definitely, uh, it's worth taking a look at. And in the in the weird context of you know this director eventually being inducted into the MCU's family, it's interesting to see his roots. And you know this was the I think the buzz from this is what got him the Spider-Man gig. So totally, yeah. Um, no, this is a really interesting, weird, fun little movie. Um, if you like coming of age stories and you like. Uh, you know, crime caper movies. I, I think this is right up your alley. Uh, I definitely recommend checking it out. What do we want to tell our uh, listeners that uh, we have planned for next week? Okay. So uh, we've kind of talked about in the last show that for the next few episodes, we might be going in a little bit of a different direction. Just, it is hard to see new releases right now. Um, I know some are being streamed on demand, um, but you know, we definitely still want to be here for you guys if you're if you're listening. Um, and so I thought for next week, it would be fun to do something a little bit different. And I'm proposing to you that we do a Quiet Place versus Bird Box. Um, and what that entails is we'll, we'll watch uh, both movies. We'll catch up on both movies. Uh, Quiet Place, which is streaming on Hulu. And Bird Box, which is streaming on Netflix, um, both of them came out around the same time, and they both uh, have sort of end-of-the-world themes with uh, sensory deprivation elements. Um, 
obviously in a quiet place you can't make too much noise or the monsters get you in bird box you can't see or the monsters get you and so i just thought it'd be fun to sort of catch up on both those movies and kind of discuss uh have a little bit more of an open discussion versus necessarily uh just a review format review yeah 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 no that'd be cool we've never really done something like that so uh you know catch us for that and um we will uh kind of keep you on updated for other ideas that we have i did put it out there on twitter and on facebook if anybody has any kind of episode ideas uh for what we should be doing um to get in contact with us either uh in the the, the facebook thread or you can pm me or whatever you want to do and uh, we'll take those into consideration. And we did get a couple answers on that. I wanted to read uh, real fast. Brad Page, um, and I liked his idea, actually. He said, maybe an episode of top 10 favorite physical releases or top 10 favorite boutique distributors, Arrow, Kino Lorber, uh, Criterion, or episodes discussing the history of physical and digital releases of films. I often find myself musing about the impact and implications of how films are so accessible today versus how they were distributed and viewed in the past and how that has impacted the film industry. Today, we take it for granted that we have the opportunity to rewatch a film as many times as we like, whereas classic films were released without the luxury. So um, I don't know if we'll include all of those angles in there. That's a lot. Uh, but I do like the idea of kind of talking about physical media and uh, maybe doing an episode specifically on physical media, collecting, things like that. Um, cool. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah. That sounds fun. Uh, and then uh, we got an answer from Robert Barnett, uh, who says, uh, pre- predictively review what you would have what you think would have been (laughs) (laughs) reference, historical habits, styles, source materials, actors, budgets, plot leaks. Um, that's kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know. It would wait. I I don't know if I totally understand that. Can you read that again? (laughs) Okay. He says, predictively review what you think would have been reference, historical habits, styles, source materials, actors, budgets, plot leaks. So I guess like had the year gone as planned, Gotcha. Like okay. review a movie that you know. Oh, that's kind that of hadn't fun. even Just come out yet. Yeah. Try, yeah. Try to think. Try to predict what movies. This is a little bit more in your wheelhouse than mine because it's a little bit of the yes and territory. But uh, that could be fun. That could be. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at uh, least I as a segment or something like that. I love both of those ideas. Yeah, so keep them coming. We're really interested to hear about kind of outside of the box ideas or even inside the box. If you're just like, dude. Talk about Waterworld. I want a full fucking episode on Waterworld. Then, yeah, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> let us know what you're watching right now. What's helping you get through this crazy time. Or mm-hmm. or even like, uh, I think it might be fun to just sort of talk about like what the best end of the world movies are. Or what like the most realistic ones are. Um, I know a lot of people have been streaming Contagion. I'd say um, I, I don't want to watch it right now. I didn't want to watch it then. I watched it because I <laughs> felt like I had to, but I, I mean, there were reasons why, why this scenario was not something that I thought was going to be a super entertaining thing. Um, uh, we, 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 re- I, I, me and my wife rewatched it recently. Maybe, uh, I, I think my original it. take on it when it came out was like, it was the slightly more B movie version of traffic. And I had some of the same issues with it plot wise as I did traffic. Okay. Well, maybe uh, maybe that might be worth revisiting, looking at um, again, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Um, I'm also interested in like doing stuff like genre studies or auteur studies, something like that. Maybe for one month we pick one director we we like or need to see more of, or maybe something we haven't seen any of, and we challenge ourselves to kind of explore that or something like that. So there's lots of possibilities for what we can do uh, with upcoming episodes. And if we do have opportunities to see new movies uh, like we did this week with uh, with a screener or something like that, um, we'll definitely try to fit in more traditional episodes as well. So cool. if anybody has anything to say about anything we talked about on this episode, you can contact us at our email at uh, 
mcguffinpod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at mcguffinpod, and you should be able to follow us and uh, see different things that we post on Facebook at facebook.com slash mcguffinpod. You can follow me individually at VC Cassidy. That is both Twitter and Instagram. And um, to be able to read the movie reviews that I write every other week for the Idaho State Journal, just Google Idaho State Journal Movies, and that'll take you directly to their movies page where you'll see the reviews. Uh, And also, while you're online, uh, maybe you're looking up episodes of the MacGuffin Podcast, be sure to read the other articles and reviews written by the rest of the MacGuffin staff at MacGuff.in. What about you? You can follow me on Twitter, even though I'm not really on it right now, at Keith Foster Kid. But if you send me a message or uh, mention me, I still check it. I'm just not doing the scroll, the endless scroll. Um, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, though. I'm, I'm there a lot more often. Um, uh, again, I mostly follow like friends, family, comic book artists, mm-hmm. um, or really just kind of any art. Um, so if you, if you have any art you want to share with me, that'd be really cool. Um, or, you know, dumb little sketches or whatever. Um, and you can, speaking of art, you can follow my art account at sticky note aesthetic. Um, uh, yeah, where I've got some stuff that I should be posting to that, uh, a little more regularly. So that's where you can find me right now. Okay, cool. Then I think that is the episode. And in this case, I'm just going to say, let's give it to Gosling. Stay safe.